Evening team, hope we are doing very, very well this evening and you've had a lovely day. Tonight we are talking all things sorting your stress or addressing your stress. And the aim of tonight's session is to understand stress's effect on you and your body and what we can do to manage your own stresses. So there is going to be, there are going to be some practical elements of tonight's session. So make sure you've got a notepad and pen. I've got a few worksheets and stuff to share with you afterwards where you can kind of work through things at your own pace. But I'll, I'll, like I said, share that with you after. You know, we don't need to sort of give stress an introduction. We know how stressful teaching is. We know in all the different ways that teaching is stressful. And there are many, right? There are lots and lots of different things that make this job pretty tough going. And we're going to be talking about lots of those threads tonight and hopefully giving you loads of different tools to address that stress. Now, before I move on, I want to show you um, just a very small part of our new program overview. So what we've been doing in the background is working on an overview for the, for the program, all the different stuff we cover. What, I, what I've realized through this process is we cover a huge amount, um, more, more than I sort of anticipated. We, we cover so, so, so much, but it's good to get it sort of put into little blocks so you can see. But the reason I'm showing you this is because as you can see, the red blocks are going to be the ones that relate to stress. And there is an overlap between two of our pillars. So just to remind you, we've got five pillars now. We've got navigating nutrition, mastering movement, sorry, managing mindset, navigating nutrition, mastering movement, rest and recovery, which, well, sorry, refocusing recovery, which is sleep and stress, um, and then winning with well-being. So those are the five pillars. And you can see here the red ones are where stress is sort of linked and related and you can see that it's kind of half in the refocusing recovery column and it's also half obviously within the well-being column and it kind of yeah kind of straddles both of those strands so tonight we are just going to focus on sort of those top six so we're going to focus on addressing your stress as an individual and helping you to put some strategies in place for you as, as a person right when we cover the well-being module, the well-being pillar, we will talk about stress again because it overlaps and we'll talk about it in terms of productivity hacks, productivity tips and managing workload. But as you can see, stress, it, it, it pops up everywhere because of just how stressful our job is. I'm sure if we had a, you know, a, a profession where we clocked in at uh, nine, clocked out at five, didn't work weekends, didn't work evenings, you know, you, you leave your laptop at work and you walk out and you, you don't think about it. If you had a profession like that, we wouldn't need to go as in depth with this, with this stress stuff. But just wanted to sort of show you that, show you where stress pops up during our one-to-one -one program and where you can kind of expect to see it. So I want to kick off tonight's session by talking um, or sorry, by sharing this quote with you, because I think it really sort of encapsulates why we need to look after you and why we need to manage your stress. So it's by Katie Reid. I'll be honest, I'm not, not actually sure who Katie Reid is, but I found this quote and I, I love it. I've used it for a while. Self-care is giving the world the best of you instead of what's left of you how many times have you come home from work just about you know or just about crawl to a half term and you feel like you've got nothing left you've got nothing left to give your family your partner your kids your parents your siblings your friends and more importantly you've got nothing left to give yourself you've got absolutely nothing left and you are just spent basically and it's because we spend so much of our capacity at school and on the job of course home life can be quite stressful friendships and stuff can be quite stressful relationships can be stressful but I can I can hazard a guess that for most of us work 
is a huge contributing factor. Before I go on, can you just pop in the chat what you're finding most stressful at the moment when it comes to, to life generally? Um, and if you want to be quite specific, you know, is it to do with uh, work in terms of school? What part of school is most stressful? Is it the assessment? Is the marking? You know, what are you finding most stressful? Just chuck it in the chat for me if you feel comfortable to do so, just so I know where to sort of concentrate most of this session on. As always, we want to tailor it as much as possible to whoever is here live. So let me know, what do you find most stressful? And whilst we're doing that, we're going to do a quick audit of stress. So what you can see here is another one of our star graphs. In the middle, we have zero. At the end of each arrow, we have 10. And I've just put together a few quick ideas of different parts of your life that might be causing you stress. So we've got health stress. We've got life stress. So that's, you know, just getting through, just organizing yourself, you know, getting everyone to where they need to be. Um, family stress, you know, might be kids, might be parents, might be you might be caring for someone, might be your partner. All sorts of stuff can happen with family. At the bottom, we've got leadership. If you've got any leadership roles, and I think pretty much. I'm pretty sure like even in your second ECT year now, like you're given leadership roles, given leadership from the second you come in pretty much. So leadership is your leadership role causing you stress. Teaching and learning, you know, you know, that part of the job that you're actually there to do, right? That actually probably makes up about 10% of what you do. The actual job, the teaching and learning and behavior, is that causing you stress? Zero to 10, how high is it? And then the next one, workload. So the you know, teaching all of this, teaching, learning assessment, but then the additional stuff as well, the paperwork, the new initiatives that come in. Is that workload pressure causing you stress? Zero to 10, where would you rate it? And then finally, assessment. You know, Alice just said there about the data drop. So assessment, how much stress is that causing you? Uh, causing you? So you've got um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight arrowheads there. You can use these areas of life if you want to. You don't need to, but I just picked some that, we talk about all the time and that you guys mentioned in your check-ins as well. So I'm just going to zip it for a second. You've got eight arrowheads, eight suggested areas. You can take one of those out and put something else in. For example, if, um, I don't know, if you're doing your, uh, I can't even remember all the letters. I've been out of the game too long. MPQML, MPQSL. I think there's more than one, right? mpq something 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 whatever that whatever those courses are called if you're doing that for example that might be a, an extra stress or if you're doing a master's or you're doing a part-time you know add-on qualification that might be causing you some stress as well right so feel free to make this your own put whatever headings you want going to give you 30 seconds in these areas give yourself a score from zero to ten what's causing you the most stress right now Just gonna open chat. MPQLT. That's another one. Yeah, MPQLT. Sorry if that's a bit loud. Give you to the end of the song. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so a couple of things that you've mentioned there. Oh, that came quicker than I thought it would. A um, few things that you've mentioned there. We've got um, feeling tired, uh, emotional, draining weeks, um, trying to fit life in around work, tackling the never ending to do lists. So, and, and the difficulty of prioritizing tasks. Absolutely, we're going to cover that a little bit today. So, I'm guessing that's that workload one. Um, keeping the early years team positive when SLT changed their ideas of expectations. Ah, shifting goalposts. That is a stress. Absolutely. And, guys, I'll be honest, we're not going to fix all this tonight. You know, we're not going to come up with suggestions to solve everything. This is a work in progress. This is a project. Hopefully, we'll give you some tools tonight. Um, organization and sorting myself out. Okay, interesting. Good. we've got some something we can definitely impact there some areas of life we can influence but not impact this one we can absolutely impact um laundry meal prep yep it's adulting alice right i'm i am the same i am the same um i we talk about that on the bandwagon uh, on the bandwagon off the bandwagon thing that we we don't do in the team we have spectrum thinking across everything we don't do any black and white thinking when it comes to being clean and tidy typical bloke uh, i am either clean and tidy or i am the absolute opposite i do not have spectrum thinking when it comes to to my adulting i could totally totally relate to you on that one area that i'm working on cognitive overload of an ect being in year one school big big stress there for school amount of paperwork we have no time for the lack of support from slt with a very difficult cohort of children oh yeah i feel your pain Teresa. i really 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 do been in a school before where you'd be calling for support and assistance assistance whilst you know chairs are going across the room and you you're sort of there you know what do you do in that situation it needs more than one body needs more, more than one person right i've i've been there i've experienced that it is huge stressors huge huge stressors trust wide role looking after five primaries developing children's character it's part of this year three six have their own portfolio a big job big task and worked on over 240 of them this week it's killing me i'm 90 percent the way there wow Sophie, that is a huge project, absolutely huge. So big stresses, and a lot of you mentioned work there, you know, not a surprise whatsoever. So the, the reason for doing that quick audit, guys, is so that you can see where you need to focus your attention and that you're not sort of trying to do everything at once. We're just doing one thing at a time. So let's get into stress. Let's get into some of the theory behind it, and then we'll get to the practical stuff. So what is stress? What does stress mean? And um, again, taking this from the NHS website, because it's just an easy one to go to. Stress is the body's reaction to feeling threatened or under pressure. Now, we've all heard about uh, we've all done that training around around the brain, probably where we talk about the layers of the brain being like an onion and the oldest part being at the bottom and then the, the, the hand model. Um, I mentioned this recently. I can't still can't remember the guy's name. If anyone knows the guy, I know he was in Essex at one point because he did a training with, with us, but I can't remember his name. I don't know if he was local to Essex, but he talked about the brain being like this. And, and when children, uh, he called it flipping their lid, it was sort of when you disengage your prefrontal cortex, that sort of logical thinking part of the brain. He sort of said, when you flip your lid, um, you're sort of left with the older parts of the brain, which obviously are linked to fight, flight, freeze, and you've got your, um, what is it, your hypothalamus and and all of that kind of stuff. And you go back to, he said, like your, your old sort of brain, like your reptilian brain, and you kind of revert back to things because your prefrontal cortex, which is newer, isn't engaged sort of thing. That's a very rough explanation. Um, but I remember him talking about all these kinds of things and and that is it, right? We, we know stress, anxiety, they are perceived threats 
from the brain and it doesn't matter whether it's doing your taxes and uh, not that many of us as teachers need to do taxes as bad example doing your your i don't know doing your food shopping <laughs> i don't know there you go doing your food shopping um or whether it is a child throwing a chair or whether it is a mountain of paperwork the brain will perceive a lot of the threat the same and funnily enough I love the analogy of how it all going into one bucket. So not only does the brain perceive it in the same way, but it also affects the body in a very, very similar way. Just like the body reacts very similarly to whether you're anxious or whether you're excited, right? Very similar physi physiological responses, sweaty palms, shaking legs, fast heartbeat, all these things. The body seems to kind of only do a, a limited number of things, can only sort of react in a certain number of ways. So when it comes to stress, I want you to imagine that you've got a bucket right? And all of your stress goes into the bucket. If you are in a calorie deficit because you are trying to lose body fat, that is a type of stress on the body. If you are going to the gym and you are doing any form of training, but if you're lifting weights specifically, just as an example, you are putting the body under stress. If you get a cold and you've got a real sort of headache and you're snotty, the body is fighting that off as well. Then you get work on top of this. Then um, your little one at home gets poorly and doesn't sleep very well. Then your partner gets, you know, gets on your nerves and doesn't do the dishwasher or something, right? Or whatever. You know, all of that is going into one bucket. Too often we beat ourselves up. I've got to open the door because it's very hot in here. Right. Um, too often we we sort of guilt ourselves because what we expect to happen is we expect our minds and we expect to be able to compartmentalize that stress so this is work stress this is home stress this is um looking after myself stress and we we think that's how it works it doesn't it all flows into one place and the funny thing about that bucket is when you are tired when you are already stressed, when maybe you're struggling with your mental health, when you know something unexpected happens, that bucket, you know, it shrinks a little bit. And essentially what happens is you've got the same amount of stress coming into that bucket, but your capacity to deal with that stress is smaller. So one day, I don't know, let's say December the 1st, you can manage XYZ that happens at school and at home. And yet on January the 1st, the same things happen but suddenly you're overwhelmed and you can't deal with it and you just need to run away and get get away from everything. Same, you know, same situations, just a month apart. But on one day, you might have had a really crap night of sleep the night before. You might have had something happen with family. So your capacity shrunk on one day. Do you see what I mean? So we need to not beat ourselves up about it. As Like everything, we need to come at ourselves with kindness and compassion and not try and guilt ourselves into growth. That capacity bucket is going to shrink and it's going to expand depending on how you're feeling and the other things that are going on. But it's important to remember it all goes into one bucket. The other thing about stress is there's a lot of misconceptions about stress just being a bad thing. Going back to that gym analogy, we know that if you want to grow muscles or we want to grow muscles, that was very unscientific, wasn't it? We want to build strength uh, or build muscular size, for example, hypertrophy. And um, then what we want to do is we want to stress the muscle by lifting weights. Then we want to rest through time off training, leaving the muscle, letting the muscles recover, time sleeping, stretching maybe. And then we want to fuel, refuel ourselves. So rest and refuel. And then we're going to grow right so rest stress plus rest equals growth when it comes to fitness it doesn't matter if you're running whether you're lifting weights whatever rest plus stress plus rest equals growth the same thing applies to your mindset the same thing applies to stress from school if you get a smaller dose of stress you learn how to recover from it to manage it to um yeah to recover from it basically to rest 
you're going to grow. You're going to become more resilient. You're going to become more confident. You're going to become more courageous in what you do, right? Because you've got the stress, but you've also rested, recovered, and you've realized that actually I can deal with this. And that's, you know, that's how we go from being a baby with no tolerance to anything to being a full grown adult who's pretty resilient in a lot of different areas. That's how it works. Rest, stress plus rest equals growth. So stress isn't inherently a bad thing. However, when we allow stress to to impact us, we can start to get stressed about being stressed. We can just like we can be happy about being happy or we can be upset about being upset. We can we can breed our own stress. We can stress ourselves out because we are already stressed and we can worry about that and make it worse. What can happen with a lot of teachers is we know that cortisol is that stress hormone, right? Wakes you up in the morning. It's got some really important uses can come out when we're intensely exercising it can help to you know release um fat for fuel there's loads of different reasons that stress uh cortisol our stress hormone is useful for us however if that becomes chronic and the body and the brain is in a state of chronic stress that can really really impact us we can lose our period we can have um impacts on our hunger hormones we can lose our appetite we might overeat might go the opposite way it can obviously impact our mental health quite obviously you know there's loads of different reasons why chronic stress build up chronic cortisol build up is really really damaging now managing your stress is not an easy thing to do particularly if you haven't practiced it however it's it's essential it's got to be a non-negotiable as always our lovely brains put many barriers in front of us. And these are very, very similar to when it comes to our mindset around food. We do have things working against us. We've got a negativity bias. Human beings, we're drawn towards negativity. We've got the confirmation bias where the brain will look to see that we are right. If I go outside and you go outside and I say there's more yellow cars than red cars, I'm going to look for the yellow cars. You're going to look for the red cars to prove each other wrong because we try, we're trying to confirm our own biases, right? So those are the two big ones. Our own beliefs, our own values, our own expectations, these are all going to impact how we manage stress. If you see yourself as someone who can't cope, I hear that sometimes, you're going to you're gonna embody that, right? We, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We are going to grow into what we believe, right? We, 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 don't, we don't sort of rise to the level of our hopes and dreams and aspirations. More often, we fall to the level of our beliefs about ourselves. So we need to look at that. We have that teach tendency to be really critical of ourselves, how often do you criticize yourself? How often does someone give you an amazing lesson evaluation feedback and then you turn around and sort of pick out the one thing you didn't go right all the time, right? School cultures, environments don't need to go into that anymore, but we know that they can really impact us. Black and white mindset, not using that spectrum when we're, when we're thinking either, oh no, it's all terrible or actually I'm okay. Instead of thinking, well, the, you know, that gray area in the middle is usually where things land. We focus on stopping things I need to stop doing that because it's bad for my stress management. I need to cut that out instead of starting to build these new positive habits. And we try to guilt guilt ourselves into growth. So just to remind you about the spectrum thinking principle, we don't like on and off black and white because life doesn't work like that. It's how the human brain works, but it's not a very practical way for us to live. Instead, we want to live from less optimal to more optimal. What this means is if you start a day negatively or sorry less optimally should i say you missed your alarm you forgot to prep your breakfast whatever you're stressed out right your cortisol levels are high remember cortisol wakes you up in the morning if you give yourself 15 minutes from waking up to getting out the door cortisol is through the roof right you're already you're already 
primed to bite someone's head off. So you give yourself 15 minutes to get to get out of bed and get to school. Then you get stuck in traffic. Then someone goes into the back of you, your car, you're ready to just explode, right? Or, you know, someone takes the last parking space in the staff parking, you know, you're ready to explode. You're ready to just let someone have it because your cortisol has just gone up and up and up and up and up. So what we need to remember is in the morning, we're already elevated with our stress hormone. We want to bring that down. So I know it's difficult and we've got lots of parents here, but if you can give yourself just five minutes of quiet time to do any of the following, thinking about your breathing, do some stretches, have a nice glass of water, have a nice tea or coffee, get five minutes of fresh air, listen to a podcast, listen to your song, your two favorite songs, you know, back to back, that's about five minutes, right? Anything, anything that you can do between waking up and starting your day, even five minutes, if you can do that for five days a week, Monday to Friday, you're going to help to bring those cortisol levels down and start your day on a bit of a calmer note. As the day goes on, things are going to challenge you. And I want you to start to think again, the obstacle is that what is the way I want you to start using that frame on everything. This is here to challenge me. This is here to test me. This is here to get me to prove to myself that I can overcome this challenge. That's how I want you to think about all obstacles. But this spectrum thinking means that if you have a really, really crappy morning, like really hot, terrible, there's no, nothing to say you can't just draw a line in the sand and make that the moment that you then start to push the needle towards more optimal. You might think I just need, I'm going to get to this in a sec. You might think I just need some time out. I might just go for a quick five minute walk. I might just go and sit in the toilet, right? And just have five minutes of peace to myself you know, whatever, put your feet up on the radiator, just have a sit down, doesn't, doesn't really matter where, you, where you're doing it, just five minutes to yourself, that might be the thing that you need to just push your needle to more, towards more optimum, so even when it comes to stress, think on a spectrum, there's nothing good or bad, you can't come home and say, I had a really, and he's falling, I had a really rubbish day, right, you can't say, I had a really rubbish day, the day isn't rubbish, because you might have had a really rubbish day, but someone at home might have had a brilliant, brilliant day, so, you know, the, it's not a, it's not a terrible day. You are coloring your day, right? All we're given is the outline. We're given the sketch. We're given the drawing, right? We're given the black and white graphite outline of it. We then color our lives with our perspectives, our beliefs and what we put into it. You can have a terrible day, but you can come home and say, actually, I had a really challenging day today but I did X, Y, Z to push the needle towards more optimal. And I actually overcame those challenges and I'm still here and I'm going to go again tomorrow morning. So just remember that your thoughts, your perspectives color your life. It's given to you just the outline. You're the person who's going to color it. And I know that when you're caught up in the moment, it's really, really hard to remember that, but it is so, so true. Now, when it comes to applying, you know, the spectrum thinking in real life, we've got to remember that life isn't a, a, perfect oil painting and there are going to be days that do really 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 challenge you we need to find the balance when it comes to all this kind of stuff and it doesn't mean you, we talked about the seesaw when it comes to mindset with food right it doesn't mean that every single day your self-care i'm always a bit weird with using that word because it's so overused now but it's the best thing i've got your self-care looking after you your self-care and your stress are perfectly balanced that isn't how life is going to work there will be days where you have a bit more time. You might use Mr. Max out the door by half past four and you might be able to have a lot more self-care and it might be really heavy and your stress might be quite light that day. And actually, you know, Christmas coming up, Christmas day film at the end of the year, right? Out the door by half past four, you go to the gym, you go for a walk, you go get yourself a coffee, you listen to your favorite podcast, really heavy on the self-care side and the stress side might be quite light. 
And that's great. However, there'll be days, we're talking about data drops, parents evening, Ofsted. We've, you've all had these things like in the last few weeks, we had loads of Ofsteds coming through. On those days, the seesaw is going to be the other way, right? The stress is going to be heavier. And it's not the goal to be perfectly balanced. Like in real life, a seesaw like that would be really boring for everyone involved. It's going to ebb and flow. And it's supposed to. It's not supposed to be perfect all the time. The goal isn't to get a run of seven perfect days where you're all zen and you're perfectly balanced and everything because that's unrealistic. You might manage it for a week or two, but then after that, what's going to happen? You're going to feel like you've fallen off the wagon because you're using that perfection mindset and not the positive progress mindset. So all we need to do from now is just try to put a few more tools in, a few more actions in to help support our stress management, our regulation and um, our self-care. So Mindset by Dave, a lot of you haven't met Dave, uh, actually, Dave Cottrell. He comes in every now and then and does a webinar with us. But he talks about uh, when it comes to self-care, boomerangs and slingshots. So when it does come to, to I can say self-care, it doesn't ring, does, don't like the sound of it. I'm going to keep using it, though, because I can't think of anything else. <laughs> but when it comes to looking after yourself, there you go. Um, the danger is in the dose. For example, if you use a nice glass of red wine, um apparently the is it 19 crimes is that the one apparently that's quite a good one i heard on the weekend getting one of them for christmas um you have a nice glass of glass of red wine right of the of an evening one glass is probably you know probably fine if you end up having half a bottle and you do that four times a week the thing that was actually a nice sort of self-soothing habit that sort of brought you back down and calmed you down suddenly becomes detrimental to your health and you find yourself drinking a lot more alcohol. Just like if you think, right, the only thing that is going to make me feel better is going to be having a nice bubble bath. If you're relying on that as a crutch and you're having a, an, hour and a, an, hour, yeah, an hour and a half bath every single evening, suddenly you've got no time to prep your meals. You've got no time to spend time with your partner because you're in the bath all the time. So the danger is always going to be in the dose. Not that I don't think anyone's got time to do that really, have they? And the way that he sort of likens this is that there are boomerangs and slingshots. A boomerang, and you can think of this as almost sometimes it's like a, a credit card for your, for your stress, right? A boomerang is something that you throw and initially it feels like you've got rid of the stress, right? The stress is gone. It's gone in the distance. It's disappeared. It's gone tiny. Can't see it anymore. The stress is gone. You're no longer holding that stress. So this is often things like... Um, a little bit too much fast food, right? It might be too much alcohol. It might be staying up and binging Netflix. It might be disconnecting with the world, right? Initially, throwing that boomerang feels great. But what happens, just like a credit card, just like a boomerang, it comes back around and it smacks you in the back of the head and it makes you feel 10 times worse. Not only have you got a throbbing headache, you've now got this boomerang back again. It's bigger and heavier and the stress is worse. Instead of boomerang habits, we want to think about slingshot habits. So these are habits that take a little bit of effort in the first place to pull back that string. But once you let go, that little stress rock goes and it's not coming back. It's gone. It goes and it's gone. We want to focus more on the on the slingshot habits than the boomerang habits. Thinking about comparing having a bottle of wine on a Wednesday night, compare that to a half an hour walk. Two perfect examples. The slingshot, the walk, means that you need to put your coat on. It's dark outside. It might be a bit drizzly. You've got to put your torch on. You've got to find your headphones, put your podcast in. It's cold. That takes effort. However, once you let go of that, you come back in half an hour's time and you feel bloody brilliant. Other side is the bottle of wine. You wake up the next morning, you know, initially the stress is gone. Wake up the next morning, bit of a headache, hunger hormones all over the place, energy is really rubbish, you slept really poorly, you're grouchy, you haven't got much patience. 
what happens you're suddenly even more stressed than you than you were the day before so just remember about it the number one thing that we are going to do is going to be focus on those five foundations if we're not getting enough movement in if we're not drinking enough water, if we're not getting fruits and veggies in, if we're not getting a good night's sleep, and if we're not taking time for ourselves, the five foundations, if we're not doing those five, there's no bother. Sorry, there's no, um, what's the word? There's no point. There's no point uh, worrying about any anything else that we're going to talk about. If those five aren't in, mentally and physically, those are the five foundations for good mental and physical health. So if you're not doing those, point of, point of action go and make sure you're getting those five things in most days during the week because that is your absolute foundation no point in anything else until those are in place but we do have something that once those are in place we can do to help us fight this stress another really good quote here from william james the greatest weapon against our stress is our ability to choose one action over the other we have so much choice in our life sometimes a little bit too much but we have so much opportunity and so much control and so much choice. There are lots of people around the world who don't have anywhere near as much choice as we have. We have so much control over what we eat, over how we manage our stress, over how much we move. Even as teachers, when we have very, very busy lives, we still have more choice than a lot of people in the world. We need to remember that. Like we've, we're actually, we've got a gift. Most people who are listening to this are in a pretty good place, right? We're born in a country where we have, for most of us, the NHS. That's that's instantly so much privilege, like so much to be grateful for straight away without even moving past the fact of where you were born. There is so much choice that you have and we waste so much of it. We waste so much and we whinge and we moan and we complain. And there is absolutely, a, there's a time and a place for that. I completely agree. But that's not going to change anything. Remember, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So let's get into what we can do. I'm going to come back to that one. You've all heard me talk about the self-care menu before. I want you to quickly take a second with me to write one of your own. So grab your notepad, grab your pen. Even if you've got one already, we're going to rewrite one together right now. I want you to imagine that you've got your um, three columns in front of you. Top left one is going to be uh, things that take less than five minutes. Middle column is things that take five to 20 minutes. And the end column is 20 plus minutes. So what are you going to put in these columns? Anything that is either self-soothing, so it brings you back down to that baseline, or self-care. So it means that you, you have to actively go and do something. So just to sort of clarify those, those two terms, self-soothing is you sue, you're soothing yourself, bring your back self back down to equilibrium, so to speak. Okay. You're soothing yourself back down to don't say normal, but you know what I mean. Self-care are usually the things that take a little bit more time, they take a little bit more effort. Self-care is more of those slingshot habits. Self-soothing can sometimes be those boomerang habits, but we're not going to overdo it. You know, the dangers in the dose, we're not going to overdo those habits. They both have their place. You know, glass of glass of wine absolutely has its place in a broad and balanced stress strategy. So let me show you a couple or uh, one example of a really, really good self-care menu. Just let me know. Have we all got that jotted down? Just give me a thumbs up. Give me a like. Give me a hello. Give me whatever. So things that take less than five minutes, things that take five to 20 minutes, things that take 20 plus minutes okay so here is a, a, an example from someone in the team so i'm not going to read through that i know i shared this with you before but i'm not going to read through that but when you're thinking about things that take less than five minutes and you can start jotting these down as I, as I ramble on things that take less than five minutes that would ideally be things that you can do during the school day 
first thing in the morning during the school day or of an evening that are really short, almost like um, stress snacks, right? Little snacks where you can sort of get yourself a little bit of time for you, just five minutes. So it might be box breathing where it's four seconds in, four second hold, four seconds out, four second hold. You can change the time, might be three, 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 three. So box breathing might be the hand model of breathing where you breathe in on the up and out on the down. It might be belly breathing, right? Where we try and push our belly out and we focus on the deep breaths and not the short, sharp, shallow breaths up here. We're focusing on the the belly breaths. There's loads of different breathing techniques that we can do. It might be a five minute headspace meditation because they've got those now, aren't they? The really short ones might be, again, listening to your favorite music, listening to a podcast, messaging a friend, um, stretching, might be making a plan. If you're feeling overwhelmed, sometimes getting it out of here and onto paper is one of the best things that you can do. So that might be things that take less than five minutes. Five to 20 minutes then, we're starting to get a few more sort of self-care things in there. So it might be making sure... um, yeah, it might be taking yourself out for a quick walk, you know, around the playground. It might be taking yourself out um, at home after work, taking, you know, taking yourself out of that environment, giving yourself some movement. For some reason, I don't know about you guys, but I find it so much easier to think through problems when I'm physically in motion. It's almost like my brain's moving forward as my body moves forward. I know there's no science to that, but I just feel like I'm not stuck when I'm moving forward physically weird but this is just how I feel if I've got problems to solve moving physically helps me to think through that I'm sure it's to do with blood flow and oxygenate oxygenating um and and all that kind of stuff but yeah that's just sort of what helps me dancing as well dance when you cook dinner we're also going to take you 15 20 minutes to cook dinner put your favorite tunes on have a dance have a boogie we know that they release the chemicals that we're looking for we're going to come back to that in a second and then Things that take you 20 minutes or more, right? I'm just going to stick a quick bit of music on. Create a self-care menu. Before you leave this call now, I want you to have a few ideas that you can take with you, put on your phone, put on the fridge, whatever. Do that now for me. Let me change the music for people that don't like Jack Johnson. (laughs) Now what we got? What's not? Uh, we'll go with this. Let me know if that makes sense, guys. If you've got any questions about this, please do chuck them in the chat as well. If you're listening back on the podcast, sorry for this little bit of little bit of quiet. Get that self care menu made. You can think about coloring, journaling, meditating, reading, practicing gratitudes, creating a tada list of all the things you've already done. You can think about using the Eisenhower matrix. Do, delay, delegate, delete. Someone said earlier about finding it difficult to categorize what they need to, to be doing. Eisenhower Matrix is really good for that. Might call a friend.
chuck some ideas down in the chat as well guys let's see what you got going on let me know your ideas what self-care strategies are you going to put in place it's really important to remember that first column as well because this isn't all sort of you know yoga and meditation we need practical things that you're going to do when you're in a pinch that take less than five minutes that you can do wherever you are to bring you back down to equilibrium to bring you back down to baseline chuck them in the chat guys don't be shy i've given you loads of ideas there don't make me unmute you i'm joking i wouldn't do that that'd be very very mean wouldn't it Get them in the chat. Give me some things that you are going to put in place. Right. Whilst you get those in the chat, let me quickly reverse a little bit and talk to you about dose again. We know that we've talked about this before. Am I on mute? Yeah, sorry. Music, music is muted. So we've talked about dose before and we're talking about dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins. OK, now dopamine is a neurotransmitter. It's a chemical that helps to um helps the body communicate and it also helps to make other things other neurotransmitters sometimes um the neurotransmitters can make hormones as well oxytocin is the love and connection hormone serotonin is a neurotransmitter um and endorphins are a hormone as well so slight difference between the two but basically a bunch of chemicals that fly around the body dopamine is important because it is our reward our reward mechanism basically it is responsible for motivation focus and pleasure so things that you can do, completing tasks, celebrating wins, exercise. So if you're someone who is struggling with your mood or your mental health more generally, try and look at these things that you can do to get dopamine in. Exercise is a great one, right? Next one, oxytocin. It is the trust, bonding, love, connection hormone. Complimenting someone, telling them they look nice, someone complimenting you, helping someone out. You know, doing something nice, buying someone a coffee when they weren't expecting it, physical contact, playing with your pets, you know, having a nice phone call. These are things that release oxytocin. Really, really important one. Lots of us don't get enough of that, particularly without the amount of screen time we spend um, in the evenings. Serotonin is one we've heard about a lot, around 90 to 95% of that. Um, I've seen more research now. I always thought it was seventy percent was the last one I'd heard, but ninety percent is made in the gut, which is crazy. So eating um, loads of fruits and veggies, eating good fibrous foods, um, is obviously important for gut health. Gives the little bacteria that live in your gut plenty of uh, fermented food to dig their teeth into. So we want to give those little um, microbes in your gut plenty to eat. So fruits, veggies, and fibrous foods, oats, pastas, and things like that that contain lots of fiber. Really important to, to eat well. Um, not too much alcohol, things like that. Okay. Another way to help serotonin get out in nature, get out in the sunshine, get out over the weekend. It's obviously um your mood and happiness hormone. It's more like your your mood stabilizing hormone, and it's then used in lots of other different processes. Deep sleep is really good for serotonin as well. So this might inform that self-care menu. That's why we're sort of recapping this, right? Thinking about what's on here, could you get any of that on the self-care menu to help stabilize or not stabilize, to help strengthen your mental health? Um, endorphins, again, pain relief, stress management, really, really important. Laughing, intense exercise, singing, dancing, and intimacy. These are things that help to release endorphins. So can you get any of those things on that list onto your self-care menu? Because it's gonna be really, really useful. 
Right. Let's take a pause there, guys. What have we got? What have we got on there? What have we got on your menus? I'm using the, <clears throat> the Calm Me chime from our PSHE lessons in class when things are getting a little hectic. Love that, Sophie. Use this at school and at home. Listen to spa style music for a couple of minutes to relax my mind. Absolutely love that. You can have your own mini spa going home in the bath, right? Bit of music, nice candle. Absolutely fantastic. Um, again, you know, we're not just talking about that self-soothing stuff. We're talking about the practical stuff as well, like the getting outside, the, the looking at endorphins. Um, Lynn says, um, this is something I really do. First thing in the morning, I sit and have a coffee and do the day's wordle. Excellent. Just five, 10 minutes for you is going to help your day get off on the right foot. You're going to reduce that cortisol and help you get um, underway. Right. Who has got something for me? Tell me what's on the self-care menu. Who we got? We've got Alice, we've got Becky, we've got Linz, we've got Naya, Sophie, Sue, Teresa. What have we got on that self-care menu? Get it in the chat, please. Otherwise, I am going to call you out. <laughs> Get it in the chat whilst I move on. Right. So let's talk about some of those things that you can do in under five minutes just to bring yourself back down to equilibrium we can do like i said meditation so headspace we can use box breathing hand breathing like i've already said we can take a mental holiday so there's some really interesting research that shows when people visit a place that they love and when they sort of imagine it maybe there's some soundscapes going on they look at a picture they remind themselves of it the changes in the brain and the brain waves and heart rate and blood pressure and breathing rate and all these sort of um, signs of, of, of mental state basically are very, very similar to whether the person is actually there or whether they are just, you know, taking a mental holiday. They're, they're imagining it, which is really interesting because it means that we can use that. We can have a place where we go in our mind, like a sort of mind palace, if you like, somewhere that we go where we can sort of, um, you know, imagine you know, imagine something that calms us and relaxes us. It's something that a lot of therapists use. Okay. So mindfulness practices, being mindful is just being very present with what you're doing. Basically being mindful is doing just that thing. So if you're walking, you're just walking and you're looking around and you're taking things in, you're not on your phone at the same time, right? For example, if you're having a coffee, you're holding the coffee, you're thinking about how warm it is in your hand, you're thinking about the taste of the beans, you're thinking about how, I don't know, smooth it is. So when you're drinking your coffee, you're just drinking your coffee. Likewise, when you're colouring, you're just colouring, you're thinking about the pencil, you're thinking about the lines, you're thinking about the paper, you're not thinking about work. So mindfulness is just doing one thing at a time, pretty much. Loads of other things, as you can see on the screen, walk exercise music journaling drawing focusing on others happiness is a really interesting one we can sort of absorb from other people which is very very interesting and if all that fails just so you know stress backwards spells desserts so if all else fails stress backwards spells desserts that's not me telling you that you can go and uh, eat as many desserts as you like the other thing that sometimes we do when it comes to stress is and this might be uncomfortable, this sort of might jar with some of you a little bit, but it's self-imposed stress. How often do we impose our own stress? You know, we, 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 we have expectations from others, but we also add our own expectations in. Let me know if that resonates with you, right? We, we, don't, we don't allow ourselves to be content with what we're doing. So we need to remember that your good enough is good enough, just as it is. Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, doesn't matter what your year partner's doing, doesn't matter how fancy that display is down the corridor, doesn't matter who's doing what extra extracurricular activity. Forget them. Let them do them and you do you. 
you're good enough. It has to be good enough for you. If you can look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, you went in, you gave what you had. It doesn't have to be 100%. You know, some days your 100% might be 50% relative to what you've normally got. It's absolutely fine. Go in, give what you've got, do your best, you know, give what you can, know that your good enough is good enough, and then leave it, leave it at school. That is what we need to do. If we're going to survive teaching, it's what we need to do. Again, we know perfectionism. We know that we need to get out of there. The other thing that's really common is presenteeism. And if you're someone who feels guilty for calling in when you're sick, then you're going to resonate with this. Presenteeism is that idea of always needing to be present. The, the worrying thing is, is with COVID especially, that now applies to everything. That applies to your emails. That applies to your phone. So many people, I've spoken to so many teachers who still have students messaging on things like Teams and Google Classroom and you know Microsoft. And you, then you've got all the ones that you use with sort of Key Stage 1 and below. Um, or you've got a Seesaw and, and all those sorts of business software. You get parents emailing you. I've spoken to someone before that a parent somehow got somebody's phone number. How does that work? Like presenteeism now isn't just about physically being in the building. Presenteeism is now this need to always be on. If your head teacher is emailing you at 10, 10 11 o'clock at night and expecting a response, that is absolutely not acceptable. And that's, you can go to a union about that. Your contract is a very short amount of time. I think most contracts are what, 8.30 to 4.30? something like that, contracted hours, they're not very many hours a day. Outside of that, no one should expect you to be contactable. No one should be giving you anything to do after 4.35 that day and then expect it to be done the next day. That is unacceptable. And if that is happening, you need to communicate that that's unacceptable. You need to back yourself up by saying about your contracted hours, by saying about a realistic and, and appropriate amount of contact time, because we're not going to live to work, right? We've been doing that already and that hasn't worked out for us. Living to work is just going to put you in a pit. We need to be working to live. Okay. Yes, teaching is a vocation. We're passionate. We love what we do. We do it for a reason outside of financial gain. However, it's still putting food on the table and it's still a job. Okay. Yes, you might love it. Yes, you want to give more. You want to do your absolute best, but you're not going to be able to do your best if you're stressed up to your eyeballs and you're you know, burning out or you're having like four, two, three, four, five weeks off ill because you are so under the weather. OK, sometimes one side, one side step is far, far better than one step forward and three steps back. Sometimes it just takes a side step and you, you know, you let yourself recover. When it comes to community and competing and that culture of competition, I worked in school for a while who had a which had a very, very strong culture of competition and they fostered it. SLT fostered that competitive competition. They would pit people against each other. Right. They knew what they were doing. It wasn't by accident. It was by design. And instead of that horrible, horrible, tense situation we want to focus on community over competition all of the time like i said if those expectations and standards are unrealistic they need to be communicated they have to be communicated the thing that we all need to get really really comfortable with is knowing that doesn't matter what's going on at school you're not going to be able to do everything you are never ever going to be able to get it all done it's 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 a fool's mission to think that you're going to get everything done it's not going to happen. You will have to let things go. You will have to delegate. You will have to delay. You will have to delete things. You're not going to be able to stay on top of it all because there is just too much to go uh, to do. And the final thing I'm going to say is the danger of should. Now, should is a really horrible word. Should comes with that lovely slavering of guilt, doesn't it? It's got that sort of those connotations of 
ah, well, that was expected of you. You should have done this or you should have done that, particularly when that is your inner narrative and your inner dialogue and it becomes a strong part of your self story. Oh, I should really should have, should have, should have, uh, skip that meal or I should, shouldn't have had that cookie or I should have got that marking done or I should have replied to that email it is it giving you guilt and it's taking all of the control away from you and suddenly you feel overwhelmed and out of control because you you've you've given away your control instead of should I want you to start thinking of the word could I could do this pile of marking but I am in control and I'm choosing not to I'm choosing to leave it because the children don't need feedback on that bit of work I've just got to acknowledge it. I'm not going to spend half an hour acknowledging it when it doesn't need to be done tonight. And if anyone calls you up on that, I would stand and I'd argue, explain to me why the children need a comment on that piece of work when we had, we're not doing English. We've got a maths morning tomorrow, so we're not doing English till Thursday. All right, so why does that need to be done tonight? Like be, be tactical with it. Little things like not putting too much um, long marking on, on one week or not too much heavy planning or heavy resourcing on one week, sort of almost staggering it a little bit. So you have uh, high, high days on, on some subjects and, and uh, light days on others. Right. Going on a little bit here. So I'm going to whiz through. I think we're almost at the end. Some quick workload tips just to sort of help you out. And again, we're we're somewhere between the stress pillar and the well-being pillar here so we're kind of in between the two i don't want to overlap it too much but when it comes to workload just think about this you have a finite amount of time how can you leverage your time as much as possible so get the kids to do as much as they can it's going to depend on your age but try and get the kids to do as much as they can you could use marking stations for self-assessment takes a bit of training but it's great you could do live marking around in in the classroom you could use mini mentoring where you uh going by how a child is sort of um how a child has sort of picked up the learning in that lesson or that week or whatever or more generally by sort of ability you can get you into mini mentor and to partner and to peer support each other it might be peer assessment right they might go through it and they might you know stagger the abilities you might have one child supporting another child if you can try to mix it up so it's not always the same children mini mentoring the same children you know try and sort of in different subjects try and have different children being mini mentors for obvious reasons Use the children, leverage them, right? Audience participation, I call it. If, if, if a child can do it, the child should be doing it, right? Whether it's filling up your water bottle, going to the printer, tidy in the book corner. This, these aren't things that you need to do as a teacher, right? Not only are the children benefiting by taking responsibility and ownership for these things, you are then having things done for you. And it's not you being cheeky and, and lazy or anything like that. It's you being smart and sensible, to be totally honest with you. So audience participation, get the kids to do as much as you possibly can. Again, when it comes to workload, use that Eisenhower matrix. Urgent, not urgent, important, not important. Do delay, delegate, delete. If you're sitting there and this is about the third or fourth time you've heard that in the last month, why are you not using it? If you're hearing this and you're still not using it and you're still struggling, go and do it. Go and do it. Like I said to you on Monday, nothing changes if nothing changes. I can tell you all this stuff. I can give you all these tools. If you're not going to go and do anything with it, it's not going to work. So please, please, please take at least three things from tonight's session and go and put them in. Obvious ones, don't reinvent the wheel, recycle your resources, recycle your planning, try and reuse as many things as possible, delegate as much as you possibly can. I know it's cheesy, but pick a couple of days and leave at half four, you know, try and get out the door as, as early as you can on a couple of days. It will help just the mental, the mental side of things. You're going to feel like you are, you know, leaving early. You're going to feel like you're having a bit of a holiday, you know, leaving at four o'clock on a Friday feels like you've, you've suddenly got like an extra day on the weekend, even though it's a few hours. It's the mental side of things as well. We need to be mindful of. 
when you're doing something, put yourself on airplane mode, right? Turn your phone off, put a sign on the door, turn your laptop around, put your earphones in, make it look like you're on a Zoom call. No one needs to know. You can be doing whatever, but just protect your peace, protect your own attention, right? We all, we all in this modern world have an attention deficit. We've got screens and phones and notifications and all this stuff going on. Everything is there to grab our attention. If you find yourself suddenly looking, you're like, oh, I've been looking at cats playing piano for 15 minutes and I've got a stack of marking. You need to you need to control that. Control the controllables. Make your work set up as productive as possible. Use a Pomodoro timer. 25 minutes of work, focus work, no distractions. Five minute break for a short one or 25 minutes and then a 15 minute break for a long one. In that five or 15 minutes, you go, you go for a wee, you have a cup of tea, you do whatever you need to do. But in the 25 minutes, you are just marking, you are just planning. You're not doing little bits of different tasks. We all think that we can multitask. Females are better at it than males, but actually all we can do is task switch because we can, can only do one thing at a time. Even something like driving, we're still task switching just very, 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 very quickly because we practiced it probably thousands upon thousands of times. So here is a workload project, just a little um, overview, little scaffold for you to use. I'm not going to talk to you for this now. I'll explain it in a post in the group or something. It's quite self-explanatory, but it's just a little sort of challenge for you to be able to go and improve an area of your workload. It might be marking, it might be uh, assessment, it might be planning, it might be, who knows, it might be your MP. QLT, I can't remember whatever you said, Soph. So I'm going to talk through that another time because it's not really that important now, but it's just a little scaffold to help you structure a plan. You know how it works. Top four objectives across the top, key things you want to do. Break each one of those down into success criteria. Ladder to success, whatever you want to call it, right? Similar to what we do with learning journeys, but just really, really simple. Gives you a clear plan. Okay, every single day this week, I just need to do 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 do, And then that's it. And we're looking to manage our workload. Finally, guys, if you need help, when you need help, please reach out. Reach out to me, post in the group, ask your colleagues. When you go and talk to a colleague, do me a favor. Don't just go and dump on them, right? Go in and see if they've got the capacity to do it. People who are not teachers do not understand the sheer just weight of that responsibility. They don't understand it. It is unlike many other jobs. Funnily enough, a lot of public sector jobs are the same. Police, nurse teacher you know finally the ones that have got all the cuts and the uh, the underfunding going on but you know that's by the by not getting into politics but people that you know people don't understand the sheer weight that teaching brings and you need to realize that your colleagues are still going through the same thing as you so when you do need to unload just go in and just say right i really need i really need to have a whinge about this or i really need to talk to someone about this do you have the capacity right now can i borrow five minutes of your time if they look stressed if they look overwhelmed maybe that's not the best time to do it maybe give them a bit of space. And if we all did that to each other, the days that we do have that bigger stress bucket and we do have a bigger capacity cup, we can help other people. And if we all did that a little bit and all took it in turns on the days where we do have a bit more capacity to give, we'd all benefit each other. So just capacity check before you dump on people, right? Friends and family, same with them, same applies, right? Education support, really 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 important and amazing charity please check them out they've got qualified counselors on the end of the phone 24-hour hotline i believe and it's free so go and check them out if you're struggling mentally healthy schools are quite good young minds and do have some stuff for teachers as well your union local organizations loads and loads of people that you can turn to your doctor if you need to loads of people you can turn to and when you need help 
Anyway, team, that was a bit of a whistle-stop tour in the end because there was so much to cover when it comes to stress. But I hope that was very, very useful. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, a few messages come in. Sorry, um, they, didn't, they didn't come up as notifications. Sorry, guys, I missed these. Um, okay, uh, this is something I already do. Hand massage with hand cream, great idea. Yeah, nice, relaxing, something to bring you back down to equilibrium, calm you down a little bit. Love that. That's fantastic. Um, might sound like a crazy cat lady, but fussing with my cats is a really quick fix to feeling stressed. Yeah, oxytocin, right? Love and connection. Fantastic. Really, really positive. Drinking a hot chocolate, another great idea. Having a bath. Um, love going for a nighttime walk with my partner. Love voice note exchanges with my family. Excellent. Oxytocin there. We've got some dopamine there. A little bit of serotonin really really good really really good to strengthen um your mind there brilliant 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 chatting is huge uh, helps me to be mindful massive extrovert excellent sounds sounds brilliant remember this needs to work for you it doesn't matter what i think doesn't matter what anyone else thinks this is your strategy it's something that you're putting together a good hug helps sophie we did that didn't we we had a hug like that and um, believe that hugging someone tightly for seven seconds releases happiness hormones yeah it'll be oxytocin will be the main one bit of serotonin in there oxytocin the love and connection hormone um nine out of ten the other person will call on how good it feels saying i love you depending on who you're hugging you walk up to your head teacher i love you yeah it might not go down well especially on a friday morning uh, everyone's knackered but yeah that that's that's got some research behind it hasn't it saying i love you to people it's funny how awkward a lot of us are with saying i love you as adults children are free with that right they'll tell everyone on the playground they love them but adults we we have we we, we learn to be a little bit more uh, put a barrier up with that interesting um staff meetings on a wednesday night they announced last night that they're moving it from a wednesday to a thursday next week and we're expected to help on the christmas fair 3 15 to 5 p.m i've told them no yes excellent i've said thursday is my time and i've told them i can only help until 4 p.m yes absolutely absolutely and it's not you not being a team player because if you're giving out and giving out and giving out and every every opportunity every disco everything that you do you are volunteering and helping for like you know we often do earlier in our careers you're going to burn out and then you're going to be having more days off ill you're going to be showing up less for your children you're going to be leaning on colleagues more in ppa so actually it's really hard to get your mindset in this way but being self-first is actually selfless in the long run it's really difficult to get your head in that place because most of us think oh put myself first that means i'm selfish it's not Selfish is only worrying about yourself. You're, none, none of us here would ever only worry about ourselves. We're just being self-first for when we need to look after ourselves so that we can be selfless in the future. That's a great one, Sophie. Fantastic. Right, team, thank you very much for joining me this evening.